Hey everyone, so you're about to listen to the first interview I did with Reggie Jenkins, who is the founder of UUNIK Academy in Knoxville, Tennessee. I advise you to check it out. Hope you enjoy the interview, and it ha- it's connected to the final project I did, but this is the whole interview, so I wanted everyone to have a listen. Thank you. So the first question I have is, how much does your organization get involved in the politics? Like, do you ever endorse candidates? Do you ever encourage members of your organization to vote or to vote for a particular candidate? Well, being a 501c3 is illegal in the United mm-hmm. States for an organization to mm-hmm. endorse or overtly support candidates. But I do support local officials personally. Yeah. Uh, and and I've built relationships with political figures here who've helped my organization over the years, and so I've helped support them on a personal note, but as an organization, it's illegal for me to do that. Yeah. Um, so I saw on your website that the city of Knoxville, like, donates to your, that's one of your sponsors. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know, although, like, of course, Knoxville's unique because, you know, you have Republicans, Democrats, but Republicans all, are, of course, we're in Tennessee, so mm. they dominate politics yeah. here. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I want to focus on Democrats. So do you think color by racism is a problem within the local Democratic Party in Knoxville? Have you encountered it in any way? I think I think it's, uh, covert racism is a problem here. I think in Knoxville, I did a little, uh, I had a friend, he's a, a professor of history. Well, he's a social professor of history. And he did, his, um, he did a dissertation on the history of Knoxville as it pertains to that. And I read it, and it's, it, since the history of Knoxville, what happens here is uh, since the late 1800s, ever, ever since the inception of Knoxville, Knoxville, black Knoxville and, and, and white Knoxville haven't had that racial clash except the red summer of 1921. Yep. That's the only time they've had like this racial, overt racial, but it's, it's this sense in the era that blacks stay in a place, they know they place here and they stay in a place, and whites has a sense of superiority here. And so they never really, very few people locally cross the boundaries in terms of racial tensions. So like situations have happened here and people get upset, but people never went beyond a certain line. And it's, 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 it's like a black inferiority and a white superiority here. That's just like already, when you walk in, when you come to Nosby and live in Nosby for a while, it's just kind of subconscious like, you know, you stay in your place. You stay over here. You don't make any waves. You don't try to push the boundaries. And I've learned that, you know, working with youth for the past 25, 30 years that I, we don't strive. They don't, majority of us don't strive for bigger because they don't see the grownups striving for anything more. And, and grownups do not push the boundaries here. It's not like Atlanta or Birmingham or other progressive cities where people are, for grassroots are pushing the boundary of power. They don't do that here on a collective schedule, a collective means. Yeah. Do you think 
because actually one of my friends researched um, the 21 uh, scare um, for her thesis this year. And do you think that has an impact? Like, although I had never heard about it before my friend mm -hmm. talked about it, that something like that happening in Knoxville where people thought that that wouldn't happen mm -hmm. beforehand still impacts well, you generations. At now. that time, Knoxville, the population, there was a, a bigger population of blacks here. Yeah. What happened prior to that, it's all industrialization. A lot of a lot of the stuff that goes on in America is tied with economy and money and stuff like that. And so we got to look at the times like America went from an agricultural society to industrial, and that's where the time of industry starts coming in the cities. And what happened here is a lot of rural whites start migrating down for the jobs. Where they competing with who? Blacks. And so there was that whole racial tension and black. The old city here used to be called the bottoms. It used to be black, all black. Black people own that kind of stuff. And so when black people get a little ahead, white people as a collective get jealous. And that's when you start seeing, especially around the late 1800s to early 1900s, we had over 600 black townships here in America. And that caused a lot of jealousy because the poor whites have been programmed to think anytime they're doing bad, they come after the blacks. They don't go after the, the, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the, the industry titans. They always pit, pit the poor whites and poor blacks against each other. And that's just the old formula they've been running since, you know, the 15, 1600s. Yeah. Um. Give me one, can you give me one second and keep these kids quiet? Yeah. Okay. Okay, the next question is, so have you ever, Sophie, ever encountered color-by racism while trying to advocate for your organization? Oh, yeah. And can you give oh. us examples of what that um, looks like? I'll tell you, um, currently, like, when you were talking about the funding, the big problem, like, with black grassroots organizations is how we get funded. Uh, most of my funding comes from individuals, but it's hard to pull from grants. Like, I applied for a lot of, like, white-ran grants here, mm -hmm. and it's, it's like pulling teeth. And I met with people, and they nice, and they cordial, but they really, you know, they'll make excuses. I don't know your organization, that yeah. kind of thing. But when I – because I've been doing this 17 years, so it's not like I'm just fresh. They know who I am. Yeah. It's just whether they just comfortable. White people do what's comfortable to them. Yeah. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They, and they were to project their insecurities onto you. And so a lot of us, and it's not just me, I talked to a consortium of black grassroots. We struggle here because 
you know, like the city of Knoxville, they give, they have a community agency grant. And, and you know, unless you're like a nationally recognized organization, we have a few, but for the most part, black grassroots don't get it. And I see upstart white grassroots come in and get hundreds and thousands of millions of dollars serving the same kids. And it's, it's, it's a covert racist because here you have white organizations think they can do a better job of serving black kids than black organizations yeah. who work with kids. And you see these, these organizations they coming in, they like octopuses. Now these they come in the guys, and that's another thing. They come in the guise of religion. They come in yeah. the guise of Jesus and Christianity and all that stuff. They cause so so long they put the the religion label. They don't think they're being racist, but they are because they come in, they get all this money, and they even invading black churches with their co programs, and mm-hmm. they work with. But it's an after school program. They will get the black churches the the funds, but they run it. As opposed yeah. to saying, see, it's an old adage, give a man a fish, you know, teach a man a fish, mm-hmm. he'll live forever. Instead of them coming in and saying, how can we serve you? Yeah. Help you out and let you run this and we just hands off. They want to oversee it. So that's what's going on. You see them, they, they are all over the city with their organizations. They got buildings, they got all this stuff. And a lot of it is really entertainment. It's really not academic mine's is academic and, and life skill focus our kids mm-hmm. are suffering academically life skills they need counseling and all these other things they don't need another gym they don't need another soccer field they don't need another football mm-hmm. field we got a lot of that we our kids are oversaturated with that they need help but I, so you do have a and then and the political figures still endorse that they don't yeah change so i have to fight like right now i'm trying to get a building you know, I've been doing this 17 years, and I'm fighting to get a building that city owns where I know there have been others who've gotten buildings and, you know, they've worked yeah. it out. And, you know, and I'm sitting there like, why am I fighting? I've proved my worth. And so exactly. that's an example of uh, what I think is that colorblind racism that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that definitely is. So do you think, I mean, now there's a... Um, do you think there's any hope with the Democratic mayor, or do you think you're still going to get the same thing with her? Well, this is a Repu- East Tennessee's Republican. Yeah. State of Tennessee's Republican. Even like I remember, uh, I don't know if it was Sunkist, Governor Sunkist, one of these mayors who were, who was Democratic here. When you're Democratic in a red state, you're gonna have to cow towel, yeah, to the red to the power structure. Yeah. That's the only way you're gonna get ahead in here. So. Um, I really, do, I, I, I really don't have a lot of faith based on history because I've seen this script written. It's nothing new on the sign, yeah. whether it be in Knoxville, whether it be national politics or whatever. I've seen this script so many times. And, you know, and I, I just, I just, you know, that doesn't mean I don't advocate, but I don't have a lot of faith in it. Yeah. And I don't lean on it. Exactly. So I really don't have a lot of faith in change. I think powerful people will never teach a powerless people how to take power. Yeah. You know, John Henry Clark talked about that. So you going if anything you're gonna get in this world, you're gonna have to push forward and push and make it happen. You kind of moving on mm-hmm. with that point. So I had a question about how do you navigate this colorblind racism, right? And how do you ever change your approach when you're advocating advocating to different people? Like if you're advocating to someone like the politicians who you're saying like, okay, they say nice stuff but then they end up never doing anything so do you change your approach to fit that environment 
and change your approach to say if you were talking to a black donor who's really wants to help out your organization and give you money so you can do what you're going to do D- is there a change well in the i mean you 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 being black in america you know this uh yeah. you have to be multilingual most you got to be fluid yeah you know you got to <laughs> be like if you're talking to a particular audience a white audience you have to be careful because see it's all about white uh fragility yeah. white people is fragile and so when you come in at them you can't come up with them just straight to the chaser you know because yeah. i do have white supporters a few of them that support my organization and but they know who I'm about and what I'm about and all that stuff. And so, you know, it's just you have to do that. Now, the thing I don't do is mm-hmm. if I ask you once and you're not helping me, I'm not coming back to the well. I'm just gonna figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change the integrity of who I am and what I'm about and what my mission is with these children. Um, but I you you do have to, you know, be fluid with them. You have to, yeah, talk to them in a certain manner or whatever, but I'm not gonna let them get away with just saying any old crazy thing or whatever because I've established when I established Unique Academy, I established without them, and I maintained this time of largely without the big donors and stuff. So I'm not trying to because what happens with ph- philanthropy yeah. and uh, philanthropy is another way of of control. Yeah, you know, like if you look at the medical industry, you look at colleges and stuff. The big donors control that whatever they give it to. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And they trying to they change the trajectory of where the the mission is going. So I never really went after them because right now in America, as a, a nonprofit or any business owner, if you've got mass on that social media and all that kind of stuff, you can get earn as much and get as much as you want in the world. Like this podcast. Podcasts can go all around the world. Who can control them? Exactly. You know, so Okay, so this is more on a national basis with white Democrats. Mm-hmm. So this 538 polling said that an overwhelming majority of white Democrats said that racial discrimination was a major barrier to black people getting ahead in America, and that the police and the broader criminal justice system in America treated black people unfairly, and that the legacy of slavery still affected black marriage today. But um, they're against reparations and looking at race while hiring, and they're against um, wealth distribution that would help um you say they're against that yes oh well they they they're they not being genuine see that's that's the problem <laughs> white people can say like you look at black lives matter i think covid this thing has been going on since the inception of the country but because covid everybody has to sit at home and everybody has to be yeah. in front of social media now they're like oh the george floyd's is, floors is are happening oh we didn't you know we don't so yeah they're on the streets in march but what are you going to sacrifice it's a relationship for me. If you're in a marriage and one party's not r- r- not sacrificing, the marriage ain't going to work. Yeah. No matter how much I say, you know, you're right and all that stuff, until you sacrifice something, I'm not trying to hear all that. Yeah. So to me, and uh, Malcolm X, I mean, Martin Luther King talked about the white, they call them white moderates, the white cons- moderates, because yeah. they got the conservative moderates and over there. He talked about them. They're, they're more dangerous than the conservative. And Malcolm X called them the wolf and the fox. The wolf will tell you straight up, this is how I feel about you. That's the Republican part. The fox will say, yeah, you got a point there, but they're more dangerous because they love people to sleep. Case in point, like right now, people are celebrating about the Biden-Harris victory. To me, that's symbolism, symbolic, especially when you look at both of their political record, how they got to that point. A lot of them, they both got to that point by uh, locking up and oppressing black people. 
Yeah. You know, whether people want to admit it or not, people be like, don't bring up that old stuff. But if I've been doing something for 20, 30 years, if I've been abusing kids for 30 years, then I come out and say, you know, I've got a program for kids, and y'all just write that clean. Y'all are fools. Yeah. And so so a lot of us are – because tr- to me, Trump brought out what was already here. Yeah. Trump was Andrew Jackson, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson – you go back and look at all the, the presidents. Linda Baines Johnson said the N-word more than you say hello every day. Yeah. He passed the Civil Rights Bill, and he passed it because of the climate of his country. He had to do something. It was over 100 He wanted something. to get elected. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> win-win. we can't, this is not a good fit. You know what I'm saying? We can't keep, so we got to do something for them. Yeah. And so, you know, but everybody looked at Trump as the Antichrist, the devil, and all this kind of stuff. He just played towards his base yeah if you look at trump trump like 20 years ago even less than that trump was a celebrity black people was at trump towers and kicking it i can find pictures of black celebrities at trump towers kicking it uh, the apprentice you had black people on there his tv show he runs for office i think it was monetary gain he started spewing all this stuff that his the southern people race race people and they love him and they think he's the worst. I'm just thinking, this is America. Still, 70 people plus people voted for him. So I'm not too much tripping about Trump. But at this other end is the Democrats, we've been Democrats for over 55 years. What policies have we truly gotten out of that? And black people have voted Democrat close to 90% almost every race. Yeah. I mean, every race. Obama would not have won either term without black people. Yeah. How many policies did we get out of that? Just, just the, your vote is a tr- business transaction. It's like you wouldn't go to Target and give them the money without a product of service. You just don't keep going to Target and giving your money. You you can't keep voting. You vote vote is is it's got it's got to hold some weight. You don't keep supporting Unique Academy if I'm not helping kids. Exactly. If if my product is not good, my service is not good. Why keep supporting me? I expect you to turn away. I expect to close my doors. And so I said, say the thing. So those, 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 uh, like I said, the white Democrats or white allies, you ain't serious unless you're giving, and unless you sacrificing something. Because America was built on oppression, and all this wealth that they have was built on what happened 200 some odd years ago. Yeah, it's just passing inherently. So you gonna have to sacrifice something if you want this government, this thing to change. So uh, that's my answer to that one. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I started this project because people in my class, of course, the majority is white class, mm-hmm. all of them said colorblind racism is still, it's actually less of a problem than it was like a decade ago. Yeah. And I was like, wait, n- no, I think it's worse. I think potentially it's going to get worse because Harris is on that ticket. Yeah. It's going to be able to be, it was like, we, we have a black vice president. And Sadly, she'll probably become presidential candidate in four years, right? Well, I don't think Biden's going to last four years. (laughs) (laughs) So, which will be horrific because then she will be like, she'll be the Democratic nominee. Yep. Like, right? So. But you got to let me say this one point. A year ago, she was running for president and we did not accept her and she (laughs) felt bailed out. Yeah. A year ago. So, what changed from then to now? That's symbolism. Because if if we didn't want you for president, why wasn't black people all in and white allies were all in when she was running for president? Now with VP, because it was I think it was more fear of Trump than anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And 
and it's the Democratic, the Democrats and Republicans ran by like white, old, elite establishment thing. And they trying to hold on to that. So they bring a Biden in, not a progressive candidate. You give some, I just think like 70 some 80 year old men shouldn't be running the country. White men, you've been in office almost 50 years. What are you gonna do different than you did in the 50 years? This country needs to go in a different direction. That's what Obama represented, that fresh, that's what his ran's platform change we can believe in. Yeah. Now we 12, 16 years down the line, it ain't nothing changed. So um So as a person of an organization like yours, mm. I bet you face the question of just like from white Americans either in Knoxville or beyond, mm-hmm. like, well, okay, why have you like blacks nominated like what's holding you back and especially since there's like model minorities out there right that are used against black people so how do you deal with that with your organization especially when your organization has to deal with like education Mm -hmm. which is a ton of (laughs) racism within the education system so how do you deal with that while still trying to you know, still succeed because I mean, we live in a racist yeah. society. So. I mean, the thing about it is, some people you just, just mind, some groups you just can't change their minds. Yeah. I can bring all the historical evidence as to why we got to this point. You know, this whole bootstrap theory. You yeah. know, uh, white people are being a lot, so a lot of white people are, and some black people are disingenuous because everything is built on history. If you don't go into the history of a thing, you can't understand a thing. You can't understand why we got here. Yeah. You can't, this today is not a, 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 a vacuum. It's not in a vacuum. Today was built on yesterday, and, and tomorrow is built on today. So all of it's a continuum. A ser- so you have to be honest about how we got here. And so for some of those people, I don't even fool with because they're not being honest. You're not right trying to solve the problem. You're just trying to project your stuff so you won't feel white guilt or all this other stuff. So I, for a lot of those people, I don't even fool with because I, I, I used to do a lot of uh, – uh, um, what they call them, these conferences and all that. So I don't do yeah. all that stuff no more. It's a waste. Yeah. You know, you're in college, so you know what I'm talking about. Everybody got come. It's just money. It's money in conferences, but it's not money in solving problems. Yeah, at some point, we got to get to a point of solving problems. So I really dig in the trenches and show me, show you my work than sit here and have a dialogue of why black people still ain't got a head. I mean, you got to go into the history of America. America, uh, at the t- after slavery, they was had flyers in Ireland, all these European countries that come to America, we'll give you land, we'll give you head start. UT and a lot of these colleges with land grants, they gave yeah. these people money to start this stuff. They gave billions of dollars away in, 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 in land and all this stuff. It, it'd be hard, and, and at the same time, you instilling Jim Crow with another group of people. You know, you go from cattle slavery for 300 years and then another 100 years of Jim Crow, which is slavery, and then we just 50 years away from civil rights. You expect us to catch up from three, 400 years of, of oppression? We're supposed to be at a certain point, and then you're not even loosening up the money. Uh, blacks um, have one half of 1%. Well, we have less than 1% of the total wealth in this country. That statistic is the same as 1860 when blacks had 1% of the country. Most of the wealth is locked in white people, and then it's through stocks, it's through land, it's through, and it's been inherited. You can't, you can't catch up. When you tie my leg, my uh, my arm behind me, and you 200 meters ahead of me, how am I gonna catch up with you? And I got one leg, and one arm. That's yeah. physically impossible unless there's some redistribution of wealth. If you ain't trying to talk about that, you're wasting my time. And so, yeah. it 
what I have is my ancestors, people that came before me. You know, my mother and father grew up in Mississippi. My grandmother and them grew up in Mississippi and Alabama. My mother's mother worked several jobs to feed six kids. You know, they had to deal with KKK and Jim Crow and all that stuff. Ain't nothing I go through is worse than that. So that's why I lean on. You know, I lean on what Emmett Till had to go through, what Ella Baker had to go through, all my ancestors. That's how I lean on, and that's why I keep pushing because they went through stuff and they persevered. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We had black millionaires in the 1860s, I mean 1800s. We had black people who built their own townships in the late 1800s and 1900s in the heart of Jim Crow. So, yeah, we can, in spite of all that, we still, because who we are. Yeah. We come from a long legacy of greatness, man, beyond America. So that's why I keep pushing. Because really, if you look at this whole house, it's crumbling. This is Custer's last stand in America. This, just Biden and all that Republican, Democrat and Republican Party, this is an old archaic model. And it's crumbling. They're just holding on to power. Because they know in 2050, 2060, the demographics of this country is changing. White folks know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they're holding on to power. So this is their last push. But if we, if your generation and the younger generation strategically put themselves in a position of power, of, of self-containment, of working together and doing some cooperative things, you'll be in a position that when that something happens, you go through that door and bust through it for your children and your children's children. So, I agree, but I'm a little bit more pessimistic. Okay. Um, just because I feel like this election made me more pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you're right, they're all actually pretty old, right? Like mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi, yes. super old. Yes. Joe Biden, yes. super old. Jim Clyburn, yep. super old, right? All these people realistically are going to die in like a decade or so. Mm, or less. <laughs> 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 but the problem is they're already picking people yes, just already like yep. them, mm -hmm. right? The Pete Buttigieg. My friend and I joke that we'll have to deal with him the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll run for president each time, and we'll have to deal with it each time. So, I feel like they're already trying to manufacture their power stru structure for yeah. the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I agree that our generation could do it, but just like in my class, someone still is arguing that colorblind racism is not a thing anymore, right? Like, there's still this illusion. But I'm going to tell you this. This, this, this. this is where I, I will counter that. Stop looking macro and looking micro. Mm -hmm. Stop focusing because the micro on the macro level on that power structure, corporate lobbyists, foundations, think tanks control presidents, yeah, and all that stuff. They so they already planned that out. Yeah, but locally, wherever you live, like for instance, I'm gonna give you a, a, a th example. Nineteen, it's not nineteen families of black people bought like I don't know how many acres in Georgia. They're gonna create their own little village. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. Wherever you live, you can you because all politics is local. Yeah. So you, I will tell you and your constituents, study local politics, study local law. There's still billions of acres of land out here that we can grow and develop and create, recreate anew. Also, connect with others outside of America because it may be a thing. You might have to have a se second citizenship somewhere. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I always joke about. Well, I tell people I'm like, you need to have a second country. Yes. Like, you do. Yeah. You do, but what I'm saying to that is we're in a global economy, but we're yeah. not participating. The people in America, the leaders and trans yeah. transnational corporations are everywhere, but we're not figuring it out. 
So we can build bridges with people in South America and Africa and Caribbean islands and people with different perspective and like minds like yourself. So if you got a hundred people around the world that think like you, y'all can build your 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 worldview and your community can be global. It don't have to be here. Cause this is gonna crumble. I don't care what they who they bring, it's crumbling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? China is the superpower now. <laughs> America ain't the super America owes everybody. We went from a creditor nation to a debtor nation. Yeah. We, 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 it, it, no matter who they bring up there, you still fight what's inevitable. All empires fall. All of them fall. But we got to be in a position to be over. But I just say, I wouldn't mm-hmm. think about that because we can't control that. We ain't in a position to control that. might yeah. be another 50 years. Just focus on something small. Mm-hmm. You got to get small victories. Otherwise, just dig you six feet hole and just lay down and die. Because mm-hmm. what's the purpose of living if you're not going to, if you see all this, and you can't find some some joy or something that you can some small victories because mm-hmm. that's what it is. And we got to train a group of young people because the Jim Clyborns was, was groomed. You know, the Clarence Thomas was groomed. They grooming young people. That's why I try to start an elementary school because that's where the battle is. It's the, they taking babies like they pull y'all pull the be- the elite every school every city has elite school like well yeah and they pull the best of the best. People with the money send their kids there, and a few of us can go up in there. They, that's a different education model than Knox County schools. Yeah. Because they train them for power. They train our kids for labor, prison, or being managers of labor. So we have to create our own our own s- structures. And that's what you and your generation can do. You know, just get a few of you all together because it's power. You know, you look at the people in the past. It only was a few. You know, the Haitian Revolution wasn't the whole island. The Haitian Revolution was a group of people who met. And did the impossible. That's the only black example of a group taking over a country. Uh, one of the last questions I have. Do people ever feel like your kids are getting an unfair advantage? Because um, I know a lot of times people, especially when options are raised of like, oh, you're offering ACT courses, which is like a really huge commodity and it's worth a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and other white Americans, especially white Democrats, right, may feel that well, my kid doesn't have it. So do people ever, like, say things like that to you? They don't, but I know it's out there. And that's not really a, a Democrat, Republican. It's, yeah. it's people all across the board. Yeah. But what I do, I push them back. Say, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. Your kid got advantages that these kids don't have. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and, I, and, and but you know what? The funny thing about it, I have poor whites, that kids that take my class too. You yeah. know, I've had parents who... Who kids? So I I serve across a, a, a cross section. Most of them are black, but I serve across. But I don't. Again, I don't get into those arguments because yeah. again, you look at the demographics of it. I don't care if I was in Atlanta. If you're white in this country, and you're born white, and you whether you poor or not, that's your fault. Staying in poverty is your fault because white folks mm-hmm. afforded. Even I worked at Coca Cola for 18 years, corporate mm-hmm. art. A lot of the guys I worked with barely got out of high school. I had a college degree. And a lot of them was my supervisors. Some of them guys went under me and got promoted. So you living in a system catered to you. It's your fault whether you're going to get in or not. Don't blame the small. I'm one organization. Yeah. You can't name five organizations that black organizations do what I do. You can't name five in Knoxville. But you can name a plethora even if, if it was just five white ones, they got a whole lot more access of capital and resources than I do. All you got to do is open your mouth. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even 
entertain people like that because the data does not represent what they're talking about. I'm, I'm data-driven. You can show me stats. You can show me history. You can show me evidence. Then I'll talk. But all your yeah. feelings, your projections, your insecurities, your misunderstandings or whatever it is, I can't do nothing about that. Yeah. Okay, so that was the end of my questions. Mm. Is there anything else you feel like we can I would say, uh, again, uh, young people in particular, study history, particular, study the history, understand the political system, understand this is a rules, this is a game. It's a yeah. game. You know, uh, the power structure understands that a black token can go a long way. Yeah. I mean, because people, black people in particular, it saddens me, especially the older ones. We get so elated about the black first. I don't care about no black first. I care about effectiveness. I always, when I debate with people on social media, because I rarely share this on social media, because people are celebrating this the victory or whatever, and I'm just like, this ain't nothing going to change. But I say success or progress is judged by the accomplishments of the many, not the few. You become the first millionaire in your family. Don't mean a hill of beans if you got cousins over there struggling, yeah. your brother and sisters living in squalor. That doesn't mean to me. When seeing a, a image of the first VP or the first president or the first CEO, I don't mean nothing to me because how's that going to impact the masses? And people are like, well, look, black girls can strive. That's it. That don't mean nothing. These little black girls are in poverty. Yeah. Most of them are not going to get out of that economic, social economic thing. That one position, now that one position, if, if this you passing policies to help the black little girls, if you set a, a, a $50 million to empower black girls all over the country and you let people, the grassroots people, then we, t okay. <laughs> but that ain't going to happen. Yeah. You're going to go to the NAACP luncheons. You're going to go there. You're going to have a few more black people. It's going to be like the cabinet is going to be different. Like Trump had all white for the most part. Biden going to have – he got some black people in there. But how is that going to affect the masses? That's all I care about. How does the kids come up? We need policy. We need, like I said, police reform. They both are police pro-police. They're not going to change the unions. They ain't going to bust up them unions. They're going to give them more money. That's they're going to give them more money. They're not going to defund them. And so our situation is going to get worse. You know what I'm saying? We had a black president. Trayvon happened under him. Sandra Bland. Ferguson happened under him. Flint happened under him. All these travesties happened under his watch. What happened? I mean, how did that change? Whatever. And presidents have it, the power of executive order. I don't want to hear all that. They giving monies to foreign countries and doing all this stuff. And... We can't. We just give them votes, and we give a few platforms. So I don't see either part. I don't see either part of change. But I'm gonna tell you this, and come to me. This is the Democrats' last stand. Nothing comes out of this. You're gonna see an influx of black kids and black people just flowing away, and never coming back, because that loyalty is, is is dwindling. Yeah, especially among younger yes. people. Because there's like, um, I have no loyalty to you. The Civil Rights Act that was in the '60s. Yep. My grandmother knows that. I do not. Yep. And at this point, now even even Democrats are not really trying to remove a lot of the barriers to vote mm -hmm. anyway. So, so they're going to they lose power, and the, and the Republicans are going to get back in. They're going to stay in because they're not you, – you can't keep throwing darts at the next party. One thing I understand about – I respect about the Republican Party. When they get in, they do what they want to do, whether <laughs> I like it or not. No, it's crazy. Yeah. They, they gangster. They, they play like gangsters, and Democrats are soft. Yeah. They get a little power. Don't, no, you, if you got it, Go. do it. 
and don't have any qualms. I ain't got time. You know, Trump, uh, uh, Mitch, Rich, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell they, yeah. they don't care what you feel. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to keep power. Power, <laughs> power. Ken, when you get power, you don't, you don't have this, this sense of, of, you know what, I should be fair. No. <laughs> they don't have that. They don't have that. You, they crush. They want to keep power. And I think young people will be smart to learn from that, to yeah. create political action committees, to, to form co- community investment groups, groups, ca- economics, buy land, buy, do all the, look at the indigenous, I mean, look at all the immigrants that come to this country. I, like I said, working at Coke, I learned a lot working, and a lot of them Indians own the stores and stuff, but what they told me was they get money from the government bringing people, their family members in, they get a certain amount of money, and they create businesses. They create stores. And so they got a cousin over here, and they buy motels, and they buy all that stuff. They doing all this stuff. And we'd be wise to revisit what we used to do, because that's what it is. You get your, your college degree, you may get a job, whatever. Don't depend on it. Yeah. Ain't no careers. But what you can do is say, okay, I'm going to take the monies I have. Me and some friends take some money I have. We can build on that. You know what I'm saying? We can create industries. We can link up. Like you said, well, if you're in a second country, well, your dollar is worth still a lot everywhere else. You can buy land, you can d- develop stuff, and yeah. you can ship it here and sell it. You know, or you can ship stuff over there because a lot of places they don't have the st- the the conveniences we have. Mm-hmm. International trade, business, link up, create a power base, and then you know what? If y'all are power base, you can easily influence politics where you are or, or on a national because that's how they respond by money. They respond to money. Politicians got to run on, you know, to run for a senator in the state of Tennessee, that's a million dollars before you run. Where are you getting that money from, rich people? Yeah. If if I'm tapping in a $50,000 into a candidate, I'm better than 50,000 votes. He's going to answer my call. Because 50,000 votes individuals. 50 grand came from one person. You're going to call me. You're going to call me back. And that's what's, like, East Tennessee, that's what you see. Like this is East Tennessee runs Tennessee politics because you have the Haslam's, you have the bill, you have the Clayton's. These are billionaires. Yeah. Not only affect Tennessee, they affect national politics. But that's the model. That's the model. Like I said, when you're playing chess, you got to follow the rules that's governed by chess. You can't play checkers rules with chess. And so that's why I want the young people go a different route. Ain't about us no more. My generation, older, we, you know, it, every movement is young people. The Civil Rights Movement was 18, 19, 20 years old. Fred Hampton was 21 when he died. Bad man. He knew law. He argued his own case in court. He studied law that much. And, it, and he won. They had to kill him. The FBI and them killed 21 years old. And this man's name still reverting right around the world. Young people, it's the truth. It's y'all. It's, you know, do what you do. Think what you think and organize okay well i really enjoyed this conversation (laughs) um but yeah